Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I am Trip Lano, one half of the Mega Podcasting Powers. And with me, as always, is a man who would definitely win a jitterbug contest, the Macho Mandrew. Andrew Lano. Probably, yeah. It was, I mean, th- I, I have seen the deleted scene from The Wizard of Oz, so. Between, between the two of us, the far more likely winner, I would say. Although I, I'm a better dancer than you might expect. Yeah. Um, I actually, we ha- we had a work thing and uh, it ended up, somebody was playing like the Cupid Shuffle. Okay. And I was like, pe- people were doing it and I was like, you know, having fun dancing along. That's the that's one where they t- they tell you what to do, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, it's like a know, cha-cha slide. It's an instructional. To the left, to the left. Yeah, yeah, same thing. Uh, but <laughs> there's this like, it's a little bit insulting. There's this like, ex- ex- there's... Like a specific tone in which you get a compliment sometimes where the person is like surprised to be giving you in particular the compliment yep. or compliment. And so our videographer was like, you trip, you're, you're a good dancer. And I was like, thank you. And then in my head, I'm like, you could have taken that out of it. You could have just said like, oh, trip, you're a good dancer. Like that's like just a compliment instead of like the surprise in there was of, I was like, oh, that's a little bit hurtful. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, it was a little bit, a little bit unkind that you were like surprised. Like I, I could be nimble just because I'm a fat man. Doesn't mean, you know, uh, anyway, uh, we watched, uh, I, I'm working towards completing the Spielberg catalog, you know, uh, eventually here. Little by little. Uh, that's why, it's, well, that's why I ended up on the big... So I was... The intention was I'm going to do the Spielberg movies. And then I watched the first episode of Columbo, which he directed. And I was like, oh my God, this rules. And then I just watched a lot of Columbo, which was I remember like that, not, period. That like, was like, yeah. So I still will enjoy a Columbo, but they're they're long to put on as like just a casual thing. But I still do love... We will do a Columbo on this podcast before it wraps. I will say that uh, for sure. But... Uh, so I, I got distracted from my Spielberg watch. So I'm slowly making my way through the catalog. Although I think I have like very little interest in progressing into like modern adult dad, Spielberg. Dad, your dad, yeah, Spielberg. Yeah. However, watching this movie makes me genuinely excited to see his version of West Side Story. So we'll get into that later. But yeah. uh, I, I, I was, I was going to see that. I saw all the reviews be like, "Hey, if you like Spielberg, this is probably worth it." But I hadn't gotten to it yet, and now I'm like, "Oh, maybe that." It's a good musical. Just higher. Yeah. No, I've seen the original one, but uh, anyway, it's the beginning of Listener Request Month, and this one comes to us courtesy of Patreon supporter Michelle, so why don't you hear- I think we can call her a super supporter. (laughs) Okay, super supporter Michelle. Based on- Day one, (laughs) day one club, day one club, uh, the only, uh, the one time and only member of the uh, great Scott tier, Uh, so there'll be another episode coming your way courtesy Michelle on Patreon uh, in a few months. Uh, and she got a cool uh, custom cassette tape, which we had to produce for her. Uh, so that was neat. It was pretty cool to see that. I, I, I said, we sent it to her and I was like, hey, you have to send us pictures because I didn't get to see it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we, we, we put that up on the Twitter. If you didn't get a chance to see those, you should go check. It's pretty cool. And go check out patreon.com slash dissecting so you can support us the way Michelle supports us. Let's hear it from her about 1941. Hey, Tripp and Andrew, this is Michelle. I just wanted to give you a quick call about the Patreon listener pick that you selected for me for this year, 1941. First of all, thanks so much for opening up the late 70s uh, for our options. I definitely wanted to give you some of those choices, and this one could be interesting. As I mentioned in the live drawing, I'm apologizing in advance, depending on how you feel. Uh, this is one of those movies that I probably look at with nostalgic eyes. 
Uh, I was a young kid when it was on HBO, back when it was first released, and I watched it constantly. There was just something about it. There's a couple little kids. There's a, uh, a dummy and just kind of fun stuff and goofy stuff. Definitely not Spielberg's greatest moment, but I enjoyed it, and it's got a heck of a cast. So whether you like it or not, hopefully either way, we'll get our, as always, fun banter back and forth between you and discussing the movie. And, again, we hope it'll be a good episode. Thanks. Well, we watched 1941, and you know what that means. we got to go back. we got to go dissect the 80s. It's your disjointed war comedy. Something going to just disjointed war comedy. When the mega powers explode... I'm talking about the 80s. Oh, yeah. Great Scott. Cream of the crop. Oh, 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 oh yeah. Mega power, yeah! When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. So, we both... This is currently on Crackle and Plex and a couple other places. And it's also... Is it on Tubi? It, I, so when you Google like where to watch it, what, Tubi yeah. comes up, but when you click it, it like doesn't play. So I don't know if my computer oh. was being weird. No, I bet that was like a vestigial thing. Like it was on t- Tubi a month ago and it just hasn't been scraped off Google. Yet. No, but like when you click it, like takes you to the like it normally when it, when that happens, it'll say like, oh, this link is broken. But like it took me to the mm. st- the player and like I always I always trust justwatch.com and they did not have it there. But um I would wonder which version Tubi has because so I think Pluto has the director's cut, which is another 25 minutes longer, which many people have talked about being like a significant improvement, which is shocking no. to me because I don't know how adding no. adding scoops to this bowl is better. Uh, but many people talked about it being an improvement. Um, however, it does have one vitally important improvement over the versions that are available on Crackle, which is Sony's platform showing this movie which sony owns the rights to uh so wait sony owns crackle oh i didn't know that well no actually i forgive me sony did own crackle but now crackle is owned by chicken soup for the soul oh yeah actually a truth chicken soup for the soul entertainment that's what they're called yes correct yes and they produce movies and stuff uh anyway the version that is on there doesn't have subtitles for the portions in Japanese and German and loses like a 10% of the movie, maybe 10 to 20 somewhere in there. Cause yeah. it's, it's a decent chunk of movie. Cause at first I thought I, I just assumed that this is the way the movie was done. And I was like, wow, this is a yeah. bold choice to, to yeah. do, to do a foreign language for this long with no subtitles. Like I was like, I guess no one could tell Spielberg. No, at this point. Right, right. Because this is totally a blank check for for the beard, right? Like you yeah. got you got close encounters. He's very check. lucky that his Jaws. first two were so were like so yeah. much better than good that this yeah, one could yeah. be what it was and not just like destroy him. And also just truly insanely financially successful. Both of those. Movies. That's what I mean. Like it's worlds yeah, above yeah. beyond, but like redefining success yeah. to use a stupid yeah. buzzword. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. He 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 could basically have done no wrong. If he had made another bad one, it would have been a problem. But he went, I'm pretty sure he goes off this and does Raiders. Yeah, That's yeah, he does. And then so, it's just yeah, like up good from there. Yeah. And then it sort of peters out to like, okay, yeah. Lincoln. Well, I mean, I we've talked about this a little bit. And I don't want to like, we don't have to have a, a whole Spielberg conversation every time we do Spielberg. Because 
Uh, spoiler alert, there's a bunch of Spielberg coming next year. Uh, a particular tr- trio, or perhaps four of films. We can throw, for, we can throw four on the Patreon. Um, well, I was going to put one of the good ones. Oh, that's Patreon, true. But, uh, but maybe we'll put Crystal Skull on the main feed. Oh, no, I gave a clue. Um, Isn't that, um, it's the, the lady is, uh, oh, I love her. She's in Ocean's 8 and Cinderella. It's Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett. It's her, right? Yeah. In a blunt Kate bob. Blanchett. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, that movie super duper sucks. I went back to it during the Panini and I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm calling it the Panini now. Like, I like YouTubers. It. I think it's very funny. Um, I, I went back to it during that and I was like, oh, uh, this is bad. This is not fun. This is this did not. I did not heart. I was not too mean to this movie. This movie stinks. Um, anyway. Jaws should have won him an award. It didn't. And I oh, it didn't? Completely, he didn't win uh, for Best Director. But Jaws won other awards, right? I think so. I My my instinct is that it won several, but... Probably a music uh, one, because John Williams. Yeah, I'm, I'm checking now because I, I don't want to be wrong. There's a possibility... No, it didn't win Best Picture, right? That's not, that's not real. I feel like I would know that. I don't... It feels like it would be one of the ones that like was very commercially successful. It was a Marvel situation okay. where it did very well, but the movie people were like, hmm. Okay. So here's what I remembered. There's a documentary where they are like, what do you mean? It's, it's who directed it. How can you call it the best picture? Not so it got nominated for best picture, but he did not get nominated for best director. Gotcha. And it did win sound mixing, film editing and original score. Of course. Editing. Of course, editing. Yeah, I mean, she was that woman was like, I did not ruin my pool to not get an Oscar. Fields, baby, the goat, the goat, Verna Fields. Uh, Anyway, I think there's a documentary you can find out there that it's it's really fascinating, and I've not. We're gonna need a bigger crew. I'm guessing it's called. Um, there's a couple Jaws documentaries. The one that I remember most fondly was called The Shark is Still Working, which is sort of like a legacy thing. Okay. Like how many years later, and it still you know makes people afraid and stuff. But in that, they had clips of of another thing where Spielberg was being followed by a film crew in the lead up to the announcement of the Oscars, which is that's oh. a jinxy move. That's a jinxy move. And so he's like watching what it. What is this? 1945. <laughs> Here we are. We see these wonderful actors and directors. <laughs> I think it's more like a home movie ish, but like obviously back then yeah. there wasn't just like a camcorder, but I, it, it's, it's like, He's watching and they they make the announcement and he doesn't win. He doesn't even get nominated. And he is, you know, obviously really devastated about this. And you can see it in his face on the thing. And I think that changes the whole trajectory of his career because it's like he has to get that award. And so eventually it takes a while. But what did he, he get likes, it for him? Schindler's? Is that him? I think I think Schindler's is where it, it happened, uh, which is 93, which is many years later, obviously. But I think he like... Even then, it's like he's thinking about, you know, different stuff. And eventually he becomes the Oscar chaser. And that's just like the kind of movies he wants to make. And maybe he just got old and stopped wanting to have adventure in his life. I don't know. Like, he, he didn't have stories left to tell about adventure. Yeah. I will say he's he's doing uh, a movie about sort of his own life, which I'm genuinely kind of curious about that's coming out next. Like a biopic kind of thing? As, yeah, essentially. It's like not called the Spielberg. Oh, it's is it like that Celine Dion movie you sent me? That's not so Celine, think, but it is Celine. <laughs> I think that movie is a comedy. I think this is like a family drama. That's like oh, I'm pretty sure the Celine Dion movie is a drama. 
Well, I, I think okay, it's intended to be a drama. I should say the Celine the Celine movie is undercut by the fact that a fifty year old person plays Celine as a sixteen or seventeen year old. So yes. I, it's like inherently a little silly. But this is, I think, Spielberg doing like the the bear my soul movie. This is this is him talking about his family as a child. So I, I am curious to see where that goes. He does occasionally, you know, have glimmers of it. I was honestly not all that disappointed that he was like, I don't want to do another Indiana Jones movie. He's like, yeah, you did four of them. Like, that's fine to me. Like, I think it's going to change things, yeah. but are we, are they know, doing like another, but he's not involved. Yes. The uh, James Mangold's directing it. The guy who did Logan. Okay. And it's, is it, and so, is it Harrison Ford still? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So I'm like, if you're doing a Logan take on Indiana Jones, that's beautiful to me but it should be a logan take on indiana jones like the end of that movie should be a hat on a goddamn tombstone ladies and gentlemen or a hat on someone else that's just like i i'm nope, hanging up nope, my whip nope, nope. i can't do this Unla- anymore i will give one possible exception to that and that's if it's uh my god i'm gonna i'm just gonna go forward boldly because i looked up our pronunciation kiwi kwan who played short round in temple of doom oh. was He's in everything, everywhere, all at once. It's crazy how much his voice has not changed. But he is so incredibly good in that movie. And in particular, he like, there's one, the movie is about like multiple personalities all converging. And there's a the multiverse. He is, yeah, he's playing like a very sexily dressed, noir-esque, like buttoned up suit detective. And he looks fantastic in a suit. Like, Great, great tailoring, pulls off the look, incredible, and his performance is amazing in that movie. So much heart, so much action, so much beauty. It's it's a it's a truly wonderful movie. Everybody should go see it. I'm it's on it's on my list. It. Everything I've heard about it is just incredible. But I saw a video of him talking about it, and I was like, you, your voice, like you said, like vocally, you sound yeah, the same yeah. as when you were in like the Goonies. Like your voice did yeah, not deepen that much. Yeah, and I like I went and listened to some early episodes of this podcast not that long ago. I was like, I had an mm-hmm. idea for something I was going to do, like cutting some audio in, and I decided not to do it. But I couldn't believe how different our voices sounded. And oh, really? That was almost eight years ago, and so he's like forty years ago that you're talking yeah. about. Anyway, if they want to make him the new Indiana Jones, I'm all for it. But get this Chris Pratt shit out of here. Get who's this talking about that? That get, that got floated around a lot before everybody decided they hated him. Ugh. That was like a big thing. There was a lot of like, oh, it'll be it should be Chris Pratt. Ugh. It should be Chris Pratt. Ugh. So I, all I'm saying is there is an Indiana Jones and Indiana Jones should die, and that's fine. It's okay to characters to like have an arc and die at the end of well, the arc. It's I okay. don't. I understand they don't want to like actually kill him, but he can like hang up his whip and give his hat to the next one and be like, I'm I'm good. I'm gonna. I'm going to get a season pass to a museum or something, and that's going to be my life. Do, do You don't care about James Bond one iota, right? I mean, no, it's fine. No, okay. If, are, are you going to spoil you, the, the Billie Eilish yeah, one? If, if, you, if, if you have not seen No Time to Die and you want not, and want to go in unspoiled, skip ahead one minute. They, they fucking kill James Bond with a bomb at the end of the Wow, movie. really? It's fucking awesome. Yes. They, there is like, there is a no questions, no possibility. This man is dead. The island is vapor. It is gone. Wow. So like, give me is that. Is someone else Kill stepping him. in to be like. Is- nope. There's no, there's not, they have no idea. They have not announced what's next. And that series has weird. It is Elma. So it could be anything. Yeah, I honestly have heard somebody suggest that they should maybe. It might have been Phil No No Nobile. No, thank you. I was. I like, think it's Nobile. Nobile. Yeah, he said it rhymed with Batmobile. Um, 
Phil Nobile Jr., our uh, friend of the podcast, I think it was him, suggested they should just do like a couple one-offs, which I think would be a great idea. You just double would be perfect for that. Like just do one movie and then another guy for another movie and then get your franchise guy. Mm. Whatever. Or just do it. Make it a Griswold's thing. Everyone. Just a new Bond. No one addresses it. Bond never had that much continuity until the Daniel Craig ones, so it would be fine. Anyway, we are on a deep rabbit hole, and we got a lot of movie oh, to talk about. So we, I'm, like John Belushi, I'm going to pull up on the lever of this plane. There's a lot of plane stuff in this movie. Um, yeah, it's v- the, very weird that the genesis of this movie is Pearl Harbor. Like, it's yeah. very fucking weird. Yeah, and I was thinking about it. It's like, we are... Almost as far from 9-11 as they were from the bombing of Pearl Harbor mm-hmm. for this. It's it's I mean, it's a 10 year difference. Don't get me wrong. That's obviously like, yeah, it's 21 years from 9-11. This 1979 to uh, 1941 is 30. Yeah, it's longer. Obviously, I'm not, I'm not an idiot, but like we're halfway to that. And like, there's not a lot of 9-11 <laughs> comedy coming out you know like we haven't found that yet and so even i mean it's it's, there was earlier because didn't that who who's that fucking comedian who does puppets didn't he have a terrorist uh, puppet yeah he definitely and then like i feel like family guy did a lot of osama bin laden jokes like we made osama bin laden jokes but there was not a comedy that was like oh remember all that funny stuff that happened after 9-11 like boy because like there's a way in which this movie could be a really interesting critique of america's post uh pearl harbor jingoism and stuff like there's a there is a version of that movie that like and it's not a sex comedy no no it's not and so the they talked i read an interview with zemeckis and and a writer for i think it was roger ebert's website but not roger ebert like since roger's passing there's a lot of writers on there and they were talking to zemeckis about how like this movie has kind of gotten more appreciated in years since it's come out really and they talked about like yeah like this this is sort of reached cult status which i you know who determines that but that's what it says on the wikipedia um the the overarching thing that this person had as their theory, though, was that people weren't yet used to the multiple narratives thing of like overlapping different. There are. Stories. It's a lot to go off of. And, and I think that's like maybe part of it, like in this world now we have, of you know, serialized television that does a lot of this kind of storytelling. It's probably easier to watch. Yeah. But I think the big the biggest problem with this movie is that they're not connected, except that they're all about the same event. Like there's not a part at the end where all the characters have to end up in the same room and solve a problem. Right? Yeah. Like, like love, actually, it all fun. it all it all leads to the pageant. Right. Right, right. Yeah, they all have like that weird connection where they're like the stories aren't connected in love actually, but they they do connect eventually. Like there's a there's a there's a, some they kind all of are going to the same station. Yeah, it's, it's as if you were like all on the same train and all getting off at the final stop. But, you know, on the train, you're all going to have different narratives. There's, you know, a couple that's having a fight and then whatever. We don't need to rehash the principle of a train. But you <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Like I, uh, a man I, explains I sometimes, trains. Sometimes I can see the tangent side coming and my inclination is to steer into it. And I'm like, no, get back on the highway. I don't sometimes need to mansplain how a train works. Yeah, it wasn't mansplaining. I wasn't. I was just saying like, anyway, you're a bully. Um, yeah. <laughs> you all can't see that he punctuated that by taking a very exaggerated sip of water. <laughs> 
Imagine the Kermit meme. Uh, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I think that could be part of it. But I also think it's like John Belushi's one doesn't work at all for no. me throughout the whole movie. But the one, the part at the end is funny. Like with the Ferris wheel and stuff yeah. that causes to be a problem. That stuff's funny. And so I'm like. I think, so I'll I, say this now instead of later. What I needed yeah. was for everyone to treat John Belushi's character like the old aviator in The Mummy gets treated. Have you oh, have you seen The Mummy in like Minute? He's, he, 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 the Brandon Fraser movie. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brandon There's like an old man that shows up halfway he's, into the movie. He's like a drunkard. Yeah, he's a drunk man. Clearly was a pilot like 20 years ago or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're all like, yeah, sure, th- sure thing, old man. Have another shot. And then he like does end up flying later and it's kind of funny. Like it should have been yeah. like, Oh, this guy is still flying a plane. I guess we can't take the plane away from him, right? Like, yeah, or 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 like uh, the to to spin it a slightly different way, but the same principle is like, why is he not Randy Quaid in Independence Day? Like why that is, too. Like he's a drunkard, but he's also a farmer. And he's like, I got a plane. I'm going after. There's a sub out there. I'm, that should like, have. He's like, that should have been it. And instead of like all the stuff where he's like flying across the country, like although I will give you the the part where he lands at the gas station, I do think is a genuine that is funny, funny sketch. Yeah, it's like just have him doing laps around the pier because he thinks there's a sub out there, and then he knocks the Ferris wheel in the water or something. You know, yeah, like, just yeah, yeah. So I also have this theory that John Belushi just doesn't translate into the modern times, and I don't know how accurate that is because there's like I watched him when I was young. Mm-hmm. And like you know, mom and dad loved him on SNL and I saw Animal House when I was younger. And so I like had an appreciation for him because I was young and, and kind of introduced to him. But I feel like he doesn't his comedy doesn't come over, I feel like, unless you have an attachment to him. Yeah, although I mean, Blues Brothers is still a thing in in Universal Parks, like their characters. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's not him, but like his character is still a walk around. Um, yeah, so but he, but the char- those characters are just like two guys in suits that play blues music. Like they don't, like he does. I does, the, he's not doing a John Belushi, right? Right, and it's like the the Belushi, and I like. Don't be wrong, I like a bunch of Belushi stuff, but I feel it like I'm the last era that likes a Belushi. I feel like you probably don't have a lot of love for him. I don't have a problem with Belushi. Um, yeah, <laughs> except for that weird slam slam piece, not slam piece. That's what do you? I don't. When you like character assassination? Oh, 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 oh! Livewire. That. Movie yeah, we did that no, shitty yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael Chiklis as yeah. John Belushi. Yeah, that, that like was awful. Yeah, that was awful. Like character assassination. Character assassination. I was trying to think. There's a word for. There's. I thought there's a, a shorter phrase than that, but I couldn't remember. Yeah. Um. Yeah, like that annoyed me. So I guess maybe I do have <laughs> an affinity for him. Yeah. But I. Yeah. I don't like. I couldn't be like. Oh, my favorite John Belushi moment is blank. Yeah. Yeah. So I just I wonder if that's part of it, too. But anyway, yeah. let's let's move our way through the plot and we can pick up some of these threads. Also, as we go. I, I, uh, go. Please, we, I don't stop you. we don't make movies about war that are not about a specific war. Correct. Unless there's like a fantasy element to it. Like, you know, like every war movie has been about a specific real war that happened. Right. Like there's no. Um, I. My instinct is to answer your question and say yes. I don't think I can picture what you're talking about. Like, are you saying like like Band of Brothers the- is based on yes a real war yeah. and uh, like yeah any like big war like War Horse or whatever is yeah they've, yeah, yeah, yeah they've I think you're probably right all been based I'm sure there is an example that says no actually there is this other movie but all, everything I can think of corresponds 
to a real war unless it's a fantasy thing. Because I feel like this would have been much better if it was like, also, it's again, almost 40 years after the fact. Like, yeah, why did you, you could have just made it, it's a generic, it's an old timey war, you know? I, I, I also feel like if they had leaned a little more into, like, part of the reason why Indiana Jones works is that even if you Harrison Ford's no dreamy. Well, yeah, I mean, that that's a huge part of it. It's based on serials, which I've never watched, right? Like, Are they really? I, you know what? Yeah, I'm not, sorry, not based on serials as in, like, an adaptation of an actual serial. Oh, it's inspired like, by. Yeah, yeah. It was like, I loved these things. I want to make a movie version of this thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like if you had made this as I watched a lot of those reels of war footage before it was like a Mickey short and then you got one of these and then you got your movie, the world today. Yes, yes, exactly. And this movie had the sort of structure of like a newsreel vibe, like a more specific. So it's basically, you're basically pitching it as like what grind, like grindhouse as as being a love letter to those kind of movies as like this could have been that so that is a way to do it i don't know if it has to be as specific but like in the same way that indiana jones is a riff on serials this could have been a riff on like playtone or whatever it is playtone war reels or Mm -hmm. whatever they're you know i i playtone is definitely incorrect that's sal manx's fake thing from that thing you do um i don't know why i said that but anyway um yeah, I feel like there is like a, I feel like if this is a little bit more honed, a little bit more specific, it works. But my guess is this script is came about because Zemeckis and Gale, who were mostly writers at the time, learned a bunch of weird war history and were like, "That's kind of funny." And then it just kept being like a bigger and bigger folder of these weird stories. Mm-hmm. And I don't know this to be true, but like the thing with the Ned Beatty's character, where there's like a gun on his front lawn, that's a real thing that happened in Maine. Yeah, the, the I heard US that. Army, like, yeah. And so several of these things are loosely based on real things that happen. And I think that's the genesis of it. And I just don't think it necessarily works because it's kind of disjointed in that way. It's like a sketch movie, but it's not a sketch movie. If it was a sketch movie, I think I'd like it more. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. Because if you took the Grindhouse thing that you said and it was just like each one of these is a sketch that plays out and like maybe you have a couple multiple part ones, Mm -hmm. but it's like an abrupt like the real changes and we get a different one. Like I'm very into that. Very into this idea. Yeah. It's like and now we hear about the flying ace John Belushi's character and and it's just like, you know, and he's like flying over the Grand Canyon. Like I feel like if you did that, this movie's better. Yeah. And then it's like a sketch movie. And then you could play with it being like some of it's silent some of it's not because yes. it could be like this housewife is so pleased to have to be supporting the war effort and she's like slapping her husband with a with a rag yes. like you get this off yes. my lawn yes yeah exactly lorraine gary so I, I will respect her her name was lorraine <laughs> gary not just a housewife yeah. <laughs> but yeah i think i think there's there's some i think there's something to that that, that just doesn't click here but also like i do want to start moving through the plot of this because we're we're barreling towards a half an hour into this episode and and have not really done that Mm The opening bit, I thought that's what we were getting because the opening bit is truly one of the wildest, ballsiest things I've ever seen a director. So it opens and I went, oh, this feels like old timey Jaws. And and literally all I've seen is a car on like a a foggy ish Uh beach. And then a woman gets out and I was like, this is this is for like old timey Jaws. And then she got naked and dove in the water and I went, "Okay." (laughs) 
Another box. And then check. And then the music starts. And then coming. the fucking music. And then I was like, I think that might actually be Chrissy Watkins. And it is. I, yes. I I when she got out of the car and we saw her face, I was like, that's that's Chrissy Watkins. Like that's that's definitely Chrissy Watkins. And then I'm like pausing the movie and looking it up and trying to see if it's her. And then I'm like down the rabbit hole. Because if you IMDB this movie, it is like every actor you've ever heard of. It is a crazy who's who. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, continue with the Chrissy Watkins. And so I was like, okay, okay, we're just doing Jaws. Fine, fine, I get it. That's the big thing. And then it she gets like scooped up fully still naked by a, a Japanese yep. submarine. And I was like, Oh, so we're doing like a national lampoon thing. Like this is a this is an yes. animal house. This is a a, a body sex comedy. Like probably yes, like meatballs, yes. maybe. Like yeah, yeah. That's just what it feels like. And I was like, oh, yeah. I, it's again a weird choice that this is set like like on the backdrop of Pearl Harbor. But yes, you know, yes. sure. Yeah. yeah, I thought we were getting war porkies for a minute. Yes, I was like, very that's enough. Yes, that porkies. Yeah, yeah. But no. Yeah. So this is where we joked about this already, but like up comes the the crew. They, you know, they start doing stuff on the ship and then out come the commanding people. And it's frigging Christopher Lee in a Nazi uniform, which like great casting choice. Beautiful casting. He's he's amazing. And then fucking Toshiro Mifune, the one of the greatest Japanese actors of all time, who's in almost all the major Kurosawa movies, which George Lucas liberally ripped off, and I'm sure Spielberg watched most of too. Truly wonderful stuff. I don't like. I don't have. Uh, I, I don't have enough old movie knowledge. It's like a blind spot for me. Yeah. I'm actually trying to correct. But I've seen both Hidden Fortress and. Um, Shoot. I want to say Seven Samurai, but I think that's wrong. But I no, I think that's right. Uh, and Mofume is definitely in Hidden Fortress. He's such a good actor. And he's good. Honestly, he's really I good in this. Sub- I, did, I would have no subtitles. I don't even know what the hell he's saying. And I thought it was a good performance. That's great acting. It like, is. Really, really good. And another thing that I think is lost here, not only in literally uh, that we didn't have subtitles, but... Christopher Lee is speaking German and he is speaking Japanese to each other. And both of them completely understand what the other one is saying. Like they're not speaking the same language. So Christopher Lee, the man who's lived a thousand lives. Like, yes, if you if you don't know that, just Wikipedia him and things that would be the biggest story of your life story were like a footnote yeah. in his. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Truly, truly an incredible, incredible life. Like of all of the actors that they could choose to make a biopic out of his will never happen because nobody would believe that all happened to one. Well, person. also you would need to make it like an HBO miniseries. Like it would have to be yes, eight hours have, long yeah. to fit everything yeah, in it for sure. Cause you got to yeah. talk about his heavy metal career. Yeah. <laughs> his late in life, heavy and, metal. <laughs> And all of the Dracula-ing that he did. Well, my favorite mini quickie tangent is that he was in Lord of the Rings, which everyone knows we don't really care for. And his character was supposed to get stabbed in the back. And Peter Jackson was like, he's going to stab you and you're going to go, ah! And he goes, well, that's not what it sounds like when a man is stabbed in the back. And Peter Jackson was like, huh? And he was like, (laughs) this is what it sounds like. And he like proceeded to be like, and like did it and he was like that's what it sounds like when a man is stabbed in the back and he was like okay we're gonna roll on that (laughs) yeah yeah everybody on one 
Back to one. <laughs> um, We're going to do it quiet like. It's all right. And um, But apparently Christopher Lee's headcanon, which I love, is that uh, both men speak both because you know it was the access mm-hmm. like bo- like mm-hmm. obviously would have spoken yeah. a little japanese a little german he was like neither of them want to like lose face and like appear yes. weaker quote unquote whatever uh-huh. nationalist bullshit so they refuse to speak the other language but they understand it yeah i think that's exactly what the exact it's how i interpret it too so it's cool to hear that his is the same but it was like clearly this power struggle happening with two heavyweight actors and both like really great like really really good in fact like despite the fact that i didn't have subtitles every time we left them i was like can we get back to the sub i was like i want a little more of them there's some good stuff happening over there um we cut to our so there's i think basically five through lines. One is the sub. One is the uh, John Belushi plane. We have the dancing cooks here. And then we have um, the tank crew that kind of goes through all of those threads. And I guess there's also Ned baiting the house. And the family, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I guess that's five. But we go to the dancing cooks here and uh, we, we've we got this guy who has like jitterbug, or not jitterbug, sorry. I said the name of the dance at the beginning of this episode and I've already forgotten it. It's a jitterbug. Is the jitterbug okay? Yeah. He has the dance steps on the floor, and this ki- kitchen. I the, that's the thing with this movie is like every five minutes there's something I found genuinely very funny and laughed at, but and none of them like, connected. The too long. No, no. And so they're like they're like throwing plates and cups to each other. It's to, like, it's really funny because stuff. they're catching all the plates and cups, which you think you'd think yes. would be like, oh, it's going to be a smash, or whatever. And then it cuts to them like sp- like spilling egg all over the floor and like. Yes, pouring coffee, but it like it he overpours and it like floods the the griddle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it feels very like kind of like Pee Wee energy. Yes, yeah. of just like just or John Candy and Uncle Buck like make a big mess. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. We'll cl- it'll magically get cleaned up at the end. But I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. And then I was like, what is happening? Yeah, yeah, it's very, very strange. We're, we're so we're making breakfast. I love the bit where like the turkey leg gets thrown. <laughs> yes, he catches a turkey leg. is is really nice. It's just very, very funny, very silly. Um, so we find out he wants to be in this jitterbug contest, and he's he's Wally, and he's a guy we'll follow through a lot of the movie. We leave the kitchen he's, and we're out. He's wearing a shirt, like a Hawaiian shirt that says yes. that has like Pearl Harbor on the back. Yes, and. It just seems like, I mean, it's it's a vibrant shirt, which would be a weird choice for like a Remember Pearl Harbor thing, but it feels like a thing that you would purchase in a gift shop, like a, I don't know, gift shop seems like the wrong phrasing, but like you would get it at like a memorial. Yeah. Yeah. Or like one of those like tacky roadside type vendors. Like here in DC, we have a lot of, they're not a formal gift shop, but it's like knickknacks and tchotchkes that are all vaguely America and president themed that are in like a truck. Yeah. And th- the our our soldiermen get like mad at him for wearing it. Yes, and I was like, but like it's a shirt. He didn't make it. It's not like he bedazzled. Right. Like he hand <laughs> yeah, rhinestoned yeah, yeah. a shirt to be like Pearl Harbor. Yeah, yeah. It's very very weird. They're very upset about it though. And then he spills like a very tiny amount of egg on the sleeve of Treat Williams, who is uh, one of our other through characters. And I only know him from the substitute. Which is I know him from Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square. (laughs) Okay, Uh, that's about the Treat Williams tier. 
But he, in this movie, is such a sex criminal, and it's crazy. He is. And it's a, sh- it's a shame, because I saw him, I was like, oh, you're kind of handsome. And then he proceeded to just be, like, very good at it. So, like, clearly a good actor. Yeah. Because yeah. he's done a lot. Uh, I we don't, <laughs> we don't know what, but he's done a lot of yeah. other stuff. Just proceeds to be, like, the, like, the jock of this movie. Yes, yes. The, the sockless loafer jock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think Treat Williams had a lot of direct VHS stuff. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I just know him from Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square. Like you'd call him a blockbuster actor, not because he was in big movies, but because you most saw of him them at Blockbuster. Direct of Blockbuster, yeah. Um, so Aykroyd like kind of diffuses that situation, and he and John Candy are in this uh, tank group, and Treat Williams is like kind of with them in this scene, but in later scenes is not with them. Unclear, yeah. So it's like, oh, are they just like drawn together because they're all in uniform? It's not very clear. And Ackroyd's kind of giving um, a little bit of dragnet here. Yes, like, for sure. For he's sure. more the straight man. He's more serious. Yep. And then later he's he not. Gets, he gets to be weird yeah, yeah. later. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say he gets to go full goofball later. But here he's pretty to the vest, close to the vest. Uh and then the next John, one and is, then they leave and I was like, well, no, John Candy, come back. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know if you see him in this scene, but my, Mickey Rourke in one of his very first roles is on this tank crew, like looking like a total babe. Very, very, very handsome peak Mickey Rourke looks before he went and got punched in the face for five to seven years. But he gets one line in the whole movie. And I was just like. I mean, I get that there's a lot of famous people here, but if I had somebody that handsome on my set, I'd figure out how to give them a few more lines. Yeah, you would think so, especially in 1979, where they're just like, "Who's hot?" Yeah, maybe, maybe in the director's cut, he's got like a whole through line and an arc, and that's why people like it so much. Oh, maybe, yeah. So this this next sketch, I do, and I'm going to call it sketches because this movie is basically a series of like they're all like five beat sketches, uh, basically. Mm-hmm. They, you know that each one comes back. This opening one with Belushi is genuinely very funny, and I think if it ended with the plane just blowing up and him being dead, and then like he came back later anyway, and nobody commented on it, would have been a funnier result of this. Yeah, he could, uh, he could have should have come back with the like soot the like poof of soot on his face yeah the looney tunes yeah yeah, yeah. and his cigar is all like spread out yeah yeah exactly because they do this movie is very looney tunes-esque and this john belushi stuff is very in particular looney tunes-esque but he lands his plane on the road the the little gas station in the middle of nowhere kind of vibes like almost like a a texas chainsaw gas station (laughs) yeah it's or the um the the general store that they stop at it uh it yes. uh cabin fever cabin cab, cab oh, or cabin in the cabin woods, woods too both. yeah 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 both um but yeah he like he lands the plane on the highway very funny well highway maybe generous but the road um hops out and he's like fill it up and the lady like he walks off screen and this lady gets a great it's just her on screen looks not to camera like she's clearly looking at Belushi but almost to camera and it's like How? where Way yeah. yeah, aware. That's what she says. Forgive me. Uh, uh, yeah, and so it's just that's like a great bit. I just it's really solid. It's funny. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. It's funny. Um, so he goes inside and like has a whole like chaotic little bit of shopping here. He, he's like a gunslinging aviator because the radio says like, oh, there was a scare, a bomb threat, like a, an air raid scare over L.A. or something, or San Francisco or some yeah, some California yeah. city. But they're like, it was just war nerves. It's fine. 
And he's like, I just came from a great, you know, safety sweep of that place. And they were like, well, there was nothing there. And he like shoots the fucking radio and he's like, who said nothing was there? And it's like, well, hang on, because this character, huh? Yeah, because I like to me, what I thought this character was going to be is like the guy who 10 years after the war still thinks he's in the war. And because we didn't know what PTSD was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, we didn't know what PTSD was, so we thought that was funny. Yes. You know, it's like, ah, crazy old coot, he still thinks he's in the war. It's like, yeah, he probably has brain trauma. Like, that's probably yeah. probably part of it, yeah? Or the neighbor in Mary Poppins. Also, exactly, also that. Yes. The, yeah, hilarious trope of, like, he still thinks he's a sea captain. It's like, that man has dementia. We should probably get him some assistance. Well, he has someone who lives with him. He doesn't have to live alone. He has a little butler. On his boathouse? I meant, like, medically, some assistance. Well, in in the time of Mary Poppins, that was an ice pick. So, (laughs) if you were lucky, that was an ice pick. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But he goes outside, and there's, like, a, you know, the classic trail of gasoline. You're like, oh, Oh, because his plane plane takes off without him somehow. (laughs) Because I think it's, they don't show this. My guess is this is probably in that extended cut. She, I think she probably does it in an attempt to try to fill it with gas. Oh, Okay. Because you never see her again, but that's the most logical answer to the gap between these two things. Yeah, apparently the original cut of this movie was two and a half hours, and the studio was like, we absolutely can't release this as is. We need to cut it down to two. And apparently Spielberg was like stomping his feet. He was like, no, it's perfect. And I was like, I think we can cut more. (laughs) Yeah, I think we could excise a whole plot line from this version and have a better movie. I agree. Uh, But... Anyway, uh, this leads to a nice explosion. The first of several cool, big, big levels. I gotta say, loving the practical work in this movie. Yes, yes. Some great miniatures later. Uh, and a really, the, the final practical effect of the movie, which I don't want to talk about now, we'll save, is delicious. It's beautiful. No, like, no, 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 no. I'll have a whole meal of just that. Thank you. Because it's not a miniature, um, I don't think. N- no, it isn't. I, I If it's a miniature, it's the best miniature I've ever seen. So we'll talk about that at the end. Um We'll save that little nugget. We'll have something very fun to go out on. Uh, so we cut to the next sketch, and it's Robert Stack, uh, classic Unsolved Mysteries man, as the big general sort of in charge of all this business. And his secretary is high school bully Chris Harkinson. <laughs> yes, who I like had a real problem this whole movie because she looks uh, the same so as she does in like- Carrie. Well, she does look the same as she does in Carrie, but she also looks a hell of a lot like Sarah Michelle Gellar to me in this. And I was genuinely having some kind of like double. I can kind of see that. It's not Sarah Michelle Gellar, obviously. I don't know that she was even like, she's probably a child at that point. No, I think she would. She's probably just born. Yeah. Yeah. She's like a fresh out the womb. She's on Earth, though. Um, But I was just like, who? And then eventually I was like, oh, Carrie. Right, right, right. When I looked it up. But she's she's someone who gets all hot and bothered by planes, which is like kind of a funny idea. I like the idea. Yeah, it just there's three beats for this and it doesn't need three beats as the problem, I think. So they started to do something with it that I liked a lot better because she gets, you know, someone go. This guy goes moony eyes over her. He's he's from the very Brady sequel. He plays not Roy Martin or it's. It's uh, Tim Matheson, who most people know from Animal House. But yes, you are also he is, correct. He was in a very racy. He's, he pretends to be uh, Carol Brady's first husband. Um, 
and he's like all going gaga over he's like oh no like once i get her in the cockpit it's over and so like she sees a plane and is like Aruga, and literally is like unbuttoning yes. her blouse to a plane which i think is funny yes it was very funny and she the, her performance is excellent she's selling it which makes me like wish i, I want to see her i hope she did more comedy um yeah but he goes over and he's like, look at this, baby. These are the big, big planes. And she's like, 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 oh, like doing that thing where you like pull on the collar to cool yourself down. Uh-huh. And then he says one the real Blanche Devereaux. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a Blanche Devereaux. And like she gets she got the mister that yeah. Jeff. Um, and he says like one thing wrong and she snaps and she's like, I'm going to tell you all of these plane facts. And I was like, oh, yes, more of this that she's like sexually yeah. attracted to planes and also like could have been a pilot if. Yes. If people weren't sexist. Although right, when was Amelia right, Earhart? Was she before I, the forties? Like, or in the forties? I feel like I feel like around that time <laughs> I don't know the answer. I feel like Amelia Earhart I think of as old timey. Yeah. I there probably weren't like lady fighter pilots in nineteen forty one. No. But like I wanted uh, more of this like yes, I yes, I want a bone in a flying she, plane. She, she died in nineteen thirty nine, so it definitely happened before this. Yes. <laughs> because Pearl Harbor was after that. But also, I clearly am so knowledgeable. I could have been a lady fighter pilot if sex. Yeah, or wasn't like I, I, I should be a mechanic. You know, if like okay, I can't do combat roles, I'll fix the plane. You know, whatever. Yeah, and so like they started to do that, and I was like, oh yes, more of this because this is funny that she he thought she was going to be an easy mark, and she turns to be like, right. no, you idiot, don't don't try and he fake also, gamer girl me. Yeah, he 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 alleges that other people have been able to seduce her via planes, and the friend is like, "But you can't fly a plane." And it's such a good like, like, oh yes, to be a mediocre white man sort of thing, you know, just like that energy. You know, my, my, myself included here, I, I I understand what I am, but it's just like, oh yeah, I could do that. And it's like, no, you can't do that. You can't fly a plane. <laughs> That's the hard thing to do, you idiot. Although um, I wonder if like people who play video games with some semblance of flying in it would like know something once they get into a cockpit. I, I, this is not one-to-one with what you're saying, but I will say I had an instance not long ago, uh, maybe three years ago where I was driving to work and the roads were shitty and I started to slide and I just like instinctually fixed it. And like the, the roads were icy and I, I was, I was starting to go sideways and I, you know, you steered into it, you know, gently apply, you take your foot off the gas and I was like, why did I know how to do that? And I was like, oh, because you drive like an insane person in every video game mm-hmm. because I, it's just like Mario Kart gas. drifting, baby. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I 100% that the instinct to do that came from having done it for hours in video games, like a million percent. And I, I, I went to work and I told the story and my coworker was like, Oh my God, are you okay? Is your car okay? I was like, yeah, I didn't hit anything. She was just like, how did you know how to do that? And I, I said to her, I was like, it sounds insane, but I honestly think it's from video games. And she just kind of rolled her eyes at me, but I think that's, I think that's true. Yeah. So I would say to you, like, I, I, obviously I'm not saying that like, me as a person who's played video games could walk into a plane and be like, yes. I have arrived, yes. take off. Yes, yeah. But like yeah, yeah, yeah. in an in you an emergency be further along. Yeah. You could like yeah, take the like have some semblance of like, you know, the pullback and whatever. I would guarantee that you would walk into class on day one of flight instruction at a more advanced place than someone who hadn't played video games. Yeah. Maybe but like, like I'm on week two and they're on week one. Yeah. Exactly. Like it's yeah. not. I'm not. I'm not trying to say that. Like gas yes, up people yeah, who play video course. games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just curious. 
Yeah. So I will say, I, I speaking of planes, two, two quick asides. One, I have actually flown uh, both in a B-17 oh, that's bomber. Right. And, and I have actually flown, I did not fly the bomber, but I, I have flown a plane very briefly. Um, I didn't do anything hard. I touched the steering wheel while I was in flight, let's be honest. But I used to be a reporter, and part of that job for me as an unemployed person was like, let me do the most fun and interesting things I can. And so I got to do both those things. Uh, B-17 bombers... <laughs> Flying in them as someone in the modern era is genuinely insane. Yeah. Um, the one that I was in is the Memphis Bell, which has been in a bunch of movies, and they like bring it to air shows and stuff. And you're <laughs> the they don't really show you all of it in the movie, but there's a portion of it where there's like just not a top. <laughs> Wait, really? It's like, yeah. So it's like a convertible. There's like an open and air it goes fit. that fast. Yeah, it flies. It goes very, very fast. Wow. And so they they were like, they had to tell us like not to have anything loose. Like you couldn't have a press badge or anything because it would be dangerous. But walking around. Like going on a universal roller coaster. Yeah, 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 yeah. It really was. Uh, but yeah, it's the, the plane is bonkers. It's, it's like it feels so like barely held together. And it's like you're you're imagining right like you're up in this plane you're imagining people shooting bullets at it and it's like just thin sheet metal <laughs> you're like so where it's, yeah it's like you're it's just any if you shot that plane you would put like bullets all through it and it would still somehow still fly it's just insane it's really wild they're very cool airplanes i didn't get all hot and bothered but i could see how somebody might yeah so they get into the plane uh because he like worms his way back in by lying about being a flight like a flying a pilot, that's the word. Wow. Yeah. Um, and I love this. Flying man. <laughs> a flying man. You know, the... Oh, damn it. There was They, they had a, a nickname for Amelia Earhart, and I can't remember now. Um, so she's uh, in the actual, like, pilot seat, I guess. The queen of the propeller. <laughs> what? The queen of the propeller. The queen of the skies. Uh, so she's, like, actually in the 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 seat with... The cockpit The seat, cockpit yeah. seat with the, the steering wheel. And she's, like going to town like mm -hmm. skirts hiking up blouses undone yep. she's she's enjoying yeah. the the steering wheel and so yeah. he is not not in a no no, no 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 not <laughs> she is just flush she, she yeah she's getting ready um and as he's like behind her giving uh like recap of what's happened. She has her eyes closed and he's he, like, he's doing play by play. Yeah. Oh, now we're, we're taking off. We're doing this. And so as she's like doing all this, we then cut to the outside where she like turns the wheel and the little flipper in the back hits a dude and knocks him off the plane. He's like paints These flying everywhere. Hilarious. I was like, where it looked more of this energy. Yes. Yeah. Uh, to use the technical plane terms in case anyone out there is furiously tweeting the flaps. And I believe the aileron is the rear thing that does the steering. But she's not she knocks two or three. It's three guys. They all that sounds like hit, a makeup like. brand that's like <laughs> doing a collab at Ulta. I mean, I'm not 100 percent sure I pronounced it right, but I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. But it's the thing that does the st left the rudder steering. You control it with your feet. essentially. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Essentially the rudder. Yes. Uh but yeah, these like the guy, one guy gets flipped forward, one guy, and they all do great stunt pratfalls. Like the, the paint one is my, he's like holding, he's clearly like painting the stripes or whatever on the little yes. rudder. And he like goes flying yeah. and paint goes all over this truck and himself and yes. his other people. Takes a great bump. It's excellent. And then she opens the, the bomb doors. And at that point, the, someone's like, hey, who's screwing around in the cockpit? Which because there's a press like, conference yeah. two feet to the yes. left. Yeah. 
and, uh, and like this whole sequence ends up really great. I'm not please. It's I'm great. She he like kind of wiggles his way out in front and starts kissing her, and she's like, she's like, all right, we're you're cleared for takeoff, Captain, and she grabs the lever that I think just says like bomb release or like bombs away or something. Yeah. And she pulls it and the bomb falls out of the plane and just hits the ground and rolls towards um sort of the crowd of people. The press conference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as the guys like there are no bombs falling in the city. This bomb comes yes. rolling and a woman screams, everyone panics and it rolls into is it like a fuel truck? I think, yeah, I think it's a fuel truck. It's like they have like trucks parked for the press conference to like make it look like, you know, it's like a staged thing. A photo so op. Parked, yeah, a photo op. And so they're parked in a way that's not what they naturally would be, but also for maximum carnage here. Be- Nobody dies, but it just blows up. It's like No one dies in this movie, actually. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, so yeah, the, it hits it and it blows. There's a beautiful explosion. And then uh, we cut to Lorraine Gary queen of my heart <laughs> it's it's a very dr strange love joke that it works really well the whole like i assure you there's no bombs being dropped on los angeles as it starts rolling down the the fa- airfield to them is just awesome yeah uh we also left out i just have one line here and then we'll get to sure. gary uh john belushi flies over the grand canyon hilarity hilarity does not ensue <laughs> He like is flying. Yeah. Like opens a coke. Yeah. Hilarity does not ensue. It's like it's supposed to be funny. I didn't hate stupid. the coke bit. I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. But I was like, yeah. So. Yeah. I like the Grand Canyon show. It's always nice to see the old gal. Yeah. Anyway, on to Lorraine. Um. Well, first we see her daughter and Marty McFly's sister. That's right. That's right. Um. The daughter was in Eight Is Enough, which I, th- I assume people will have reference to i do not yeah 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 yeah. neither do i um and then wendy joe something aka marty mcfly's sister um is it marty mcfly's sister or yeah yes it is it's marty's sister because she disappears from the photo yep 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 yep. um they're like dressed to go to a dance i will say the costuming in this movie is amazing oh for sure Um, really excellent and they're talking about how she the the not marty's sister is talking about how her boy, like her, no, her dad doesn't like her boyfriend or something, because uh, he wears zoot suits and all that. And then we see him, yeah, yeah. and like I was like, oh, it's, it's a kid in a zoot suit, cool. And then a few minutes later, I was like, oh, that's the kid from the diner. Yeah. Which I, I was like, that needs to, needed to have been much clearer. Like, yeah. give me a line of like, oh, you got off shift early at the diner, like something, because I was like, cool, she has a boyfriend or whatever. And I was like, oh, oh, the, we met him already. Got it. Yes, yeah. I just recognized him, but I, I get what you're saying. Well, he's dressed wildly different. Like, he did not look... No, I get In the it. diner, he doesn't look not... like a zoot suit kid. Yes, yes, yes. I'm not I'm not dunking on you. I'm just saying. I just think that they were like, oh, people will recognize him. Um, And then her dad comes out uh, with a gun, not to shoot him, just has a gun. And so he yeah. hides as she distracts him. And then we her see... Her dad is Ned Beatty, Ned by Beatty. the way. And the mom is luring Gary, as we said. Gary? Gray. Gary. 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 Okay. One of the okay. three Jaws references in this movie. Yeah. Although apparently he wanted Roy Scheider to be um Ned Beatty? No, no, not I wish. No, it would uh he would he wanted him to be uh Stack. I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. That would have made sense. That that was also apparently offered to John Wayne and somebody else. Charlton Heston. Time. Heston, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't disagree with you, but it would have been a big get in nineteen seventy nine. Oh, he he wrote he wrote Spielberg personally and said this movie is un-American and you shouldn't make it. Yeah, well, 
<laughs> he had bad politics. Suck a bag of farts. <laughs> um, I also would have liked if it was Roy Scheider instead of Eddie Deason, and it was just Roy Scheider <laughs> and Mayor Vaughn. Up in the yeah, it would have been fun to me. I like that. Um, the, the the this is the part we were talking about. Like the army wants to put a gun on Ned Beatty's front lawn, and they like do this by driving it through the house to start. Like they put it to the front door. Uh, but the gag that is my favorite of this is John Candy is like she. There's a knock at the door after this gun has burst through it. John Candy is there. The door falls onto Lorraine Gary. And then John Candy like knocks on it while it's on top of her. To get, to get it off of her. To, yeah, to get permission to lift it up. But he, as he's lifting up and they have a little tete tete he pretends to get a splinter and drops the door on her again. And the, the, the part where Candy gets a splinter is one of those like truly inspired pieces of no prop acting that that like I, I again like i took improv classes years ago this is not i'm saying it's like the kind of thing they try to teach you is that cannot be taught right here yeah it's just like the perfect it's like oh you you can see the splinter in his finger despite the fact that you cannot it's just like so good i laughed so hard at this it's just perfect he was such a talent you know it, every he time really him and madeline Kahn, i'm always like God, yeah. i wish we could have gotten a few more years yeah, it's just he was so fucking talented. Anyway, uh, he uh, also has a little Cruella cigarette holder, which is just yes, delightful because yes. no one else does. Everyone else who smokes just like smokes whatever. He's the only one of the military men who's got a little little Cruella yeah. cigarette holder. Yes, yes, really great. Um, so uh, Treat Williams is you know leering or whatever. Oh, the girls got f- fell into a trap. I forgot. Yes, that's right. The girl found a trap that her shitty little brothers dug. They made like a punji stick trap without the punji sticks. Yes. And so this is this is another good moment. Like Treat Williams. It's great. The the girl. Yeah, he helps out the girl who he has the the crush on, and she like has. That he's just seen. He sees her underwear and then her. Yeah. Well, you know, it's the nineteen forties. That's probably pretty thrilling for a serviceman. But she's like, "Put me down," and he does the classic Looney Tunes, like, "Okay," and just drops. No, her it's back not. In the pit. I think it's it's uh, Ackroyd says that. He's, oh, is it Ackroyd? Yeah, because he's helping her out, and she's like, he's like clearly like not moved. He like is just holding her, and she's kind of like, "Okay, this is." And then Ackroyd goes, "Put that dame down and get in the garage and get oh, something." Yes, and he yes. goes, "All yes, right. You're right," and he right. drops yes. her. <laughs> Yes, and right. you Accurate. see her just go down like it's a wide, pull into yes. a cut to a wide, and she just goes, whoop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hope it was a foam pit down there. I, I mean, I gotta think it was. So we're back on the Japanese sub, and we kidnap this this uh, you know Jethro uh, sort of uh, hick guy who I definitely recognize the voice, but did oh, the boyfriend, I forgot. the boyfriend me. gets thrown into a oh, in, literally in the trash. into the trash because he's wearing a zoot suit. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Sorry, uh, there's a lot of stuff happening. There in is, movie, despite yeah. Well, zoot suits so, are like an actual like fashion history collides with real history yes. moment, so I'm always like, ooh, yes. yeah. Well, also they like genuinely the zoot suit riot is sort of vaguely yeah. referenced in the movie. Yeah, I, I did not. I was like, we don't need to pretend that the zoot suit riot was not fully just race fueled. We can, yeah, we can, you yeah. know, yeah. Um, but yeah, Slim uh, Pickens. So- from um Slim Pickens, thank you. Okay. I, I, I was like, I one hundred percent know who this man is. He was he was the the head bad guy in um Blazing Saddles. 
Yes, yes, and many, many other things. Yeah. This is one no, of although I'm trying. No, he not like he, he's the head of the gang of bad guys, not like Headley Lamar. Yeah, he's Headley Lamar. He's the guy who rounds up all of the guys for Headley Lamar when they have like the auditions to be in the gang, right? I think so. He's the one who says shitload of dimes. At the- yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, that's the line that I remember the most. Yeah. Can yeah. someone go get a shitload of dimes? Yeah. Is that movie 78 or no, that's 74. Never mind. I was like, can we squeeze that in here for no reason? Because that movie is delightful. Um, so we're on the sub. Slim Pickens is kidnapped. I actually think the Slim Pickens on the sub stuff is great. It's like very good silliness. That was and, an, and, and he there was some enjoyment there. Yeah, I, I, like I think he really plays it well, and I think the absurdity of it really works for me. Although the ending of it is nonsensical, but it's, it's he good until then. Also, rattles off a real like he says his social security number, and it's yes. not like it's not just like five five five. He's like right. oh four five, and I was like whoa whoa. I there's feel a, like what? There's there's a non-zero chance that's a, a, first of all that's definitely some actual human being's social security number. I'm pretty sure. Oh yeah, but it could have been Slim's himself. And so this is. He, it's a it's a submarine full of of uh, Japanese men, and then Christopher Lee comes out, and he's like a Nazi, and he's like astounded that a Nazi's there, and I was like, didn't we yeah. all like, didn't everyone know? I I, I know I'm I, an idiot, I, but like, didn't so everyone aware? I, I do wonder if it was possible that people could be that uninformed about like the World War II prior to America's entry. It's possible. It seems unlikely. I don't think this man is unaware of war. He yeah, does not seem yeah. like the kind that would be ill-informed, but I was just like... Well, especially because he says he fought in the First World War. Oh, yeah, that's right. But yeah, I was like, I, th- I was like, they were the Axis. It was Japan and, and Germany and a third one that is escaping yeah. me. Yeah. So he, uh, he gets put down the hole of the ship, and then they're trying to put his radio through, but it won't fit. And I just love the visual gag of like them t- turning it and turning it. Turning it, it turning it. I was really hoping yeah. they were just going to cut to the next scene and it was just going to be downstairs, like in oh, fully I, I, intact of just like, yeah, <laughs> who cares? Yeah, we figured it out. Good. I was I was expecting them to cut and it was just going to be a bunch of loose pieces, um, both but, but similar, similar versions of the same joke. Um, but he, he they're like dumping out his personal effects and one of them is a box of Cracker Jacks and the guy reaching over and like uh, royalty free Cracker Jacks. They're called something That's else. That's right. Yeah. He, I don't yeah, remember what. He, says, he he describes it in the generic product way of like baked cheese crunchy snack. And it's like, you know, car- caramel coated, can- candy coated popcorn and prize in the box or something. And peanut, right? There's peanuts. Is there peanuts in Cracker Jacks? Peanuts. Yeah. yeah. I, well. Or is that fiddle faddle? Are, are we just singing Root for the Home Team? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because they say peanuts and Cracker Jacks. So maybe, oh, I think that's Fiddle Faddle. I think that's the one that has popcorn and peanuts. Okay. But the prize is a compass, and he realizes that, like, oh, they don't have any navigation. So he dives over and eats it, and it's just such an absurd thing to be happening. It's very Doctor Strangelove. I think Slim Pickens is in Strangelove. Is he the one who rides it at the end? (sighs) I'm not sure. Well, I just, it's funny because they're asking him like how to get to Hollywood and he won't tell them. And then they find a compass. And I was like, hang on, y'all got in a submarine and we're like, didn't bring a compass. Like, 
Why do you not have yeah. a compass? No, it's broken. They show it later and it's broken. I oh. think what happened here is you and I didn't have any of the fucking dialogue because of this insane choice. So we th- we were just guessing at what was happening in this movie due to facial features and slim pickings. Yeah. Okay, that makes more sense. Because I was like, I was like, how? How do you not have a compass? Because they later show him hold up the toy one next to this like crazy looking gadget, and the crazy looking gadget is just spinning wildly, whereas the compass is steady. Okay. Uh, also, you are correct. Slim Pickens is the guy who rides the rocket at the end of Strange Love. I thought you were right, but I, I verified. Um, so they like hold him down on the table and they get a bottle of, of like mysterious purple liquid. And he's like, prune juice. And they start just like waterboarding him. Yeah, with prune juice. Very good stuff. Honestly, I think an, a funnier thing would be to like send uh, Christopher Lee ashore in like what he thinks of plain clothes to go yes. buy a compass, but he can't talk because yes. he only speaks German and everyone would know. So yeah. he has to be like, mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I, and Christopher Lee would have nailed that. Yeah. He could Some could drop on his foot up. and he could be like, yes. ah. Mm. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, or like someone's like, do you want cream in your coffee? And he's like, nine. And they're like, it's a lot of cream. What? No sugars. <laughs> okay. How many sugars do you want? Yeah. 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 Nine. Yeah. 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 So we cut to uh, Mayor Vaughn and that nerd voice guy that we've talked about for before. Eddie Deason. Eddie Deason. I don't remember what movie he was in. Grease 2. That's... And also, I think, the uh, trauma movie we did. Okay. I was like, he was in something because we talked about he's, he is the nerd voice guy that every, like, when you think nerd voice in movies, yeah. it's, it's his voice. Yeah. And so their job is to be at the top of a Ferris wheel to keep a lookout, I guess. But like. Yeah. Without a radio, so it doesn't seem very practical. Well, they had they had a phone. That oh, right. Call, and then later Eddie Deason makes him drop the phone because he's an idiot. That's what it is. And then uh, the one the one saving grace of this is the dummy. The, like, well, the the dummy is not a part of it. I was going to say is like they make one joke with the dummy here, and then they make one more dummy joke later. I thought we were going to get a lot of dummy content, and I was like, please don't. We got do the this. perfect amount to be funny. Yes. Yeah. Because I, I think it's heavily implied that the dummy is a real person. It's a slappy situation. Yeah, it, I mean, it does sort sure seem like it's that. But at first, Eddie Deason's lips are moving like ventriloquisting, and then they aren't. Yeah, so they're moving just a little. Is. Yeah. Um. So the the Japanese men have put Slim Pickens on the toilet to make him poop out the yeah. compass. Yes. Um, and he like he's like, I need privacy to go in the bathroom. I can't even tinkle in a public bathroom. And so they all, this is where I was like a little annoyed because they all leave and there's a window. It's like a, a classic yes. submarine door. It's a big metal thing port with hole. a yeah. little porthole. You can see in and out. And so he's pretending that he's pooping really, really hard. And he's they, dropping his boots in the toilet. Oh God. And, but like, they're all looking in the window at him. And I was like, yeah, hang on. Then they're watching this happen. <laughs> Yeah, it's honestly like an Austin Powers. This bit is very Austin it Powers. It is, and I mean that as a compliment. Like that, I think it's like those was, movies slap. At least the first I one. I was stunned. Yeah, I watched the first one not long ago, and I texted you, and I was like, I can't believe this is true. And you were like, I just rewatched it too, and it's so funny. It, I was completely because surprised. none of the jokes punch down. Everything yep. punches up. There's yep. no sexual assault. In fact, nope. he aggressively says, "I can't sleep with you. You're too drunk." So yes. Yeah. So come on. And so don't and, tell me and, comedy 
comedy doesn't hold up because sometimes it can. <laughs> and there's no like weird uh, gay panic in it too. No. Like, there there's like a part where like someone intimates that like oh like something about Austin Powers being gay and he's like eh it's not my thing but who cares? Like everybody likes everybody. It, well, right? I mean, and he was cuz he was from the fucking 60s where it was like yeah yeah, yeah, yeah whatever. It's dark who cares? <laughs> Much like a vampire, Austin Powers and other James Bond ripoffs uh super super what did i make up was it omnisexual like beyond bisexual pansexual like i'm open to any idea you've got i well now i want after we talked about it last time i want to see the james bond where like he doesn't i don't say james bond doesn't have to have sex with a dude he could be cool but like i i want a gay guy being like oh hello let me you know wiggle the shoulder I feel like the Daniel Craig ones like sort of kind of hinted at that being a possibility, not as overtly as you're saying, but in a way that I was like, huh, good for them. That's the babiest of steps. Like, I just want like better than I know every woman like throws her panties at James Bond. I need one yeah, dude, yeah, yeah. just one dude to like throw his yeah, jock in the yeah. mix. Come on. Yeah, totally fine with me. James Bond has absolutely had sex with the man. Oh, you, you yeah, you're lying to yourself if you think he hasn't. Yeah. So uh, he he attacks them from above. He like is sort of sprawled on the ceiling like Matilda under the table in the Trunchbull's house. Yeah. And so when they all come rushing in, he like drops on him and tries to run away. Or he does run away. He jumps off the off the submarine. Yeah. He he gets off submarine. Also, I wrote this down and I didn't see it until just now. But at one point when we see Slim Pickens on the toilet. And the guns pointed at him. His line to Toshiro Mofume is, you ain't getting shit out of me. I did like that one. That was a good one. Good stuff. Good stupid. Um, so we're at the USO club now. Well, no, we're at a showing of Dumbo. Oh, sorry. Yes, they're across they're the street across from each other. They're across the street from each other. Um, yeah. And the it's, what's his name? Tom something? Treat Williams? Nope. And Roy Martin Robert from Stack. Very Brady Sequel. Oh, that is Tim Matheson. Tim Matheson and uh, Nancy Allen, who is Chris Harginson. I wrote other character names. I'm I'm not upset, bud. I'm just laughing at the absurdity of the conversation. Well, it's like we're speaking a different language. I've been trying to explain to the people funny. at home. I, get, I was like, maybe I, know, I shouldn't funny. just call him Roy Martin and Chris Harginson for the whole episode. <laughs> Tim Matheson. Tim Matheson and Nancy Allen. Um, he like uh, they're all and and they and uh, heard not john heard no it's slate oh my god unsolved mysteries robert stack robert stack oh my god (laughs) i was like i can't follow you now this rabbit hole i don't know what you're saying i lost you hold on to me you'll drown um they're all going to a showing of dumbo and then fucking eglantine price from bedknobs and broomsticks comes zooming through the square (laughs) on a motorcycle with a sidecar to be like here's a memo for the general and they're covered in dust as if there was like a bombing or something it's completely unexplained why um and it's basically the military stuff i was like was this just like stuff people knew in 1970? Like they had more it's very in- possible. intimate knowledge of some of military missions or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Because they're like, oh, also I don't know military ranks. I don't. I know that yeah. there's like generals and corporals and lieutenants, but I don't yeah. know who yeah. the fuck yeah. outranks who. Is lost on me too. Yeah. So they're like, oh, Lieutenant Jaborski is is requesting people on the Pomona Desert, and I was like, he's like, I can't sacrifice the men, and I was like. I don't understand what we're talking about yeah. here. 
Yeah. Well, it's like the joke here is this is something that would be in Band of Brothers, but like it would be at the war zone. And instead, it's happening outside a showing of Dumbo in Los Angeles. Okay. That's like the bit, I think. Okay. Because this is structured like in Saving Private Ryan or whatever, where it's like the guy comes running up and is like, we need help. And like trying to get an urgent urgent message. And it's like, I'm going to see Dumbo, you know? Which is great. Um, But Matheson sees his opportunity to actually like get in a plane with Nancy Allen. And she knows it too, because she like turns around and is like, Aruga! She's like unbuttoning her blouse. (laughs) She turns into like, I have expected her to do a tearaway to reveal like plane themed lingerie. Yeah, yeah, like she's got the the uh, Tim Curry and uh, Rocky Har underneath a full, or like her, she got pasties that are propellers. Uh huh. Yeah, something like that. And so they sneak off to do their own thing to like go. He's because Tim Madison's like, well, isn't there a plane I can fly to look for something? And I was like, you're losing me. I'm getting lost in the sauce. But sure, yeah, anything yeah, to keep yeah. this plot moving. <laughs> okay, you and her are gonna go do it in a plane. That's I get. You see an opportunity to get laid. I get. It. I get it. I don't. You're gonna muddle it down with a lot of nonsense yeah. later. Yeah. Um, and so they sneak off to go to like bone in the plane. And then we see Treat Williams and the girl from before walking into the USO show and her zoot suit boyfriend is there and he's like, I need to talk to you. And she seems like she's mad at him. She's like, there's nothing yes. to talk about. And I was like, well, why are you mad at him? Because I thought you liked yes. him. Because in two minutes, she's like begging for his help. So it just is very strange. I guess she doesn't know that Treat Williams is a creep yet. But she doesn't want to be with Treat Williams. Right, right. I think she's, I, my guess is it's like, oh, I'm supposed to be a good USO host and dance with the, the soldiers and stuff. I guess, yeah. Uh, so we go into the USO show. The Andrews sisters are there singing their little songs. Yeah. And the, the band leader is uh, a <laughs> long time uh, talked about in this show, Joe Flaherty from Second City. He is the, the oh, vampire right. in Kids Safe the Video, if you recall. That's correct. The he- the opening, the bookend vampire right yes yeah yeah and uh there, there's like a little bit of a bit here where he his name like he's got a fake name and he's he's not I, he's pretending to quite... be uh latinx because his name he's like it's yes. it's like uh ricardo he's he's basically being ricky ricardo his first name is his first name is raul but the last name is very jewish his real last name the, yes 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 because he's got no, a he's know, got a fake name and he's right. like you he it's puts like, on a like uh spanish accent and then it, it's he like drops Sam it. Stevenson and the and the swing band or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's some gross deviled eggs at this bar. <laughs> they have they have a lot of gray in them. I don't know if it's just the way they photographed, but there's these eggs and also the eggs we saw earlier. Very bad egg movie. No, although the earlier egg. egg it was it looked like a good yolk, and I do like it a good yolk. It did have a nice yolk. Yeah, it did have a nice yolk. Um. And so he's like, or he's like roughhousing her to the bar and Marty McFly's sister is all about truth. Like she's like, she's, she's, she's brought an extra pack of panties to have extra panties to throw at him. (laughs) Yeah. She's very, very interested. Um, which has no interest. It's funny because it's like, normally there's like girl code or whatever in movies where like your friend is on the date with the guy, like you don't. Yeah. And she's like, nope, I want him. I want to ride his face. And yeah. so he's like ordering for her. He's got like a death grip on her arm and she's like desperately trying to get away from him. And then some sailor tries to like talk to her and he refers to her as his port of entry. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, horrible. There's like a few of these like 
clearly they're setting us up to be that the the gal from Carrie is the most the belle of this ball. Like every dude in the place is trying to get up and not the girl from Carrie, the the blonde. That she's not from Carrie. Well, what's I okay? I'm confused then. The blonde is from Eight Is Enough. The secretary. She's the one. Is Chris? She's the one I thought looked like the one. For who eight is enough is the one I think looks like Sarah Michelle Keller. Oh, it's that yeah. one. Okay, yeah, that makes a lot more sense than Nancy okay, Allen. Okay, okay, all right. So yes, eight is enough is is the bell of this ball, and she's um she's constantly getting hit on by guys, and Treat Williams keeps like falling out of frame and then coming back into frame to be like, why I oughta? Yeah, it's just all very ridiculous. Um, and then we cut to the movie theater, and they're like, we're gonna show Baby Mine, and I was like. That's the sad song. <laughs> Robert Stack is like openly weeping in this theater. As one should when you hear Baby well, Mine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Dumbo is a strange movie. It's just 76 minutes of elephant and child well, abuse. It's it, very weird. Dumbo was made to make money because they were like, we're going to do simple shapes, simple colors, and that's about it. It's going to be 70 yeah. minutes long because Fantasia yeah. tanked. Yeah, it's barely a movie. Uh, we see a dog in uniform. And then uh, Zoot Suit Man sneaks in there. Oh no, he can't. He 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 can't sneak in because he's not in uniform. So he sees a guy right. getting like dragged out. Dragged out. Yeah, yeah. I swear, I think I see Dick Miller in this movie. I feel like he would have been <laughs> credited, but I swear to God, Dick Miller's on the roof. So it's if his if his role got cut, he wouldn't be credited necessarily. Like, he could have been an extra or something. I did not notice it being Dick Miller, but it's very funny to me that you thought you saw him. So when, yeah, when Zoot Suit climbs to the roof to, like, look down on yeah. the on the guy getting dragged out of the bar, there's two men in, like, one of those um, ground-to-sky guns that they used in Nightmare Before Christmas to shoot Jack out of the, out of the sky. <laughs> Anti-aircraft anti gun. That's the word. Thank you. Um, how they're, like, the two-man ones. And it... I swear it's Dick. It's Dick Miller. I mean, I I believe you. I just um, I didn't notice. And then so he drops a, a missile on a guy, which would have killed him. Would have put a, yeah. a hole in his head, and steals his uniform to sneak into the USO show. And uh, we get icon, legend, and star Patty Lupone saying not a goddamn syllable. <laughs> it's very weird. She's named in the credit like. In the in the yeah. IMDb or the Wikipedia or whatever, it's like Patty Lupone as Gladys Hightower, and I was like, "Yeah, she doesn't say a word, not a right, syllable. Right. What is she? I mean, she was literally about to become huge and a big star. It had it was the year this came out is the year she did um, Sunset Boulevard. No, was it Sunset? I'm blanking. It was like her first big thing was kind of she was going to do it in theater this year, so then she would become a huge star." Yeah, I mean that's that answers your question why she doesn't have any words. It just seems weird that like because she's yeah. she's named in the final credits. She gets a, she gets yeah. a little freeze, and I was like, "What are we doing?" Uh, we get a classic drop something on somebody's head and steal their clothes, a la Looney Tunes, for the the Wally the Zoot Suiter to get in into the club. Yeah, he drops. That's what I said. He drops the missile on the guy. Yeah, and we see his helmet with the big dent in it. Yeah, which is delightful. I love. I needed more of this. He's like dance evading treat williams yes like yes. doing like those this, bouncy drop splits all of this is like a dancey indiana jones fight yes 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 yes, yes. um he ends up doing a donald o'connor wall flip which is great yeah yeah all of this stuff is excellent and i, I like at this point when, when i'm watching this i'm like oh wow spielberg's been holding back a musical for a long time and then 
as we get to the sequence where it's like the two, it's like the navies on one side and the army, the shark, the, the sharks and the jets. I was like, he has specifically been holding back wanting to do West Side Story for forty-two years. Well, appa- like, holy crap! For uh, well, apparently, he like halfway through making this movie, he was like, I think I should make this a musical. I think I yeah. should. I think it'll. And I was like, honestly, what it might have saved it. it yeah, it might have been. Yeah. Or at least like a music movie like Blues Brothers where it's like yeah. maybe like, Blues Brothers kind of well most because that's all diegetic, right? Yeah, it's like it's not qu- there's like no not it doesn't quite have the like I want song thing that like it doesn't have people to would call it not a musical. Yeah, it, but like there are to me the, the delineation is that the songs move the plot forward and like there they found a way to have Aretha Franklin sing Respect that is relevant to the plot. You know what I mean? It's like the song already existed. It wasn't written for the movie, but she yeah. sings it to someone as if she did, you know, whatever. and it's a real Aretha, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. So this is where it becomes an all out brawl, uh, over the girl and Patty Lupone grabs. Oh, also during the jitterbug contest, uh, the host or the, the judge who was like a, a film, a talent scout. Yeah. This part confuses me. Cause it's like, it's a USO club, and the only people allowed in there to dance are military members who are about to and women go off to a war. Yeah, and so, the, the, the so women I thought who originally I was like, oh, it's women. it's for women, like it's an incentive to be a USO host because you could win the contest yeah. and become a star yeah. and get groped by old executives. Yes, well, the the executive says it's a seven picture deal with RKO, which I guess in the in 1940 could have been like a year and a half worth of work it might it might have been six months honestly but yeah but it was just like so wait don't these guys i guess you're right the time frame could be short enough that they could go off to war but it's like these guys are about to go to war like they can't sign a seven picture movie contract that's why i assumed it was for the women and then he was like that man is the best dancer and i was like huh yeah, and so when the well the guy the kid is trying to win the contest presumably to get that deal so i don't know how what the kayfabe is here yeah because also, how is he going to get into the show? How is he going to get... he w- Right, that's exactly what I keep thinking. It's like, how do you not know the rules, kid? When the brawl breaks out, Patty Lupone runs over and grabs the girl's hand, and they run away with Marty McFly's sister. And I was like, oh, we're going to get some Patty. And then yeah. she just doesn't. And I was yeah. like, well, what are we doing? There's a really great bit. and I like this fight choreo I really like all throughout. I think it's, it's really good. It's excellent. There's a really great funny one, though, where... Uh, the the gal from eight is enough is pulling on the arm of treat Williams and he's like trying to punch Wally. So she keeps pulling him and pulling him. And what she's doing is actually like winding, winding up, up the punch. pitch. Uh huh. It's so good. Uh, and then that immediately cuts to Joe Flaherty with the microphone doing play by play of the fight. Cause then I was like, Oh, they're on the radio. That makes yeah. sense. That that's, you would yeah. be listening to the band on the radio. Yes. Yes. And he's like, we've got, we've got na- Navy midshipmen fighting with army privates and there's air force men coming in over the top. It's just all very good. That would have been funny if the, all the air force men were like on the balcony and they like yeah. arms out, Dive like in. full on yeah. dove into yeah. the crowd. There's a bunch of like dudes swinging on vines Tarzan style to get into the fight too. Yeah. It's crazy. Um so we return to the plane fuckers. Yes. And they show up at the airstrip or, or the military whatever fort. I I don't know. I don't I truly don't know. It's a, 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 presumably an air force base, but I really don't know. And they're like arm like hands up. We don't believe that you're not a Japanese person. Um and I was like 
Okay, wait, hang on. <laughs> you aren't yeah. aware that you didn't you ask for backup? Yes. And then like these guys seem to think they're like actively in war. Like it's very confusing this this particular sequence. Yeah. It it cuz and also they feel like the like a, a militia. They don't feel like the it feels like No. like Joe, Bob and and Steve all had a gun yes. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But then the uh, uh, Matheson has his hands up and he's like I'm I'm Lieutenant Colonel's secretary or whatever the fuck he is and then one dude walks up to him and he's like he's tall he can't be Japanese and then he kicks him in the shin and he's like yep he's American <laughs> I was like are we, are we biting a goal are we gonna bite him next to see I like if he's I real gold so. so okay I think this is a bad racist joke but I think he was kicking him to see if he was wearing stilts wildly unclear <laughs> that's what I took. I was like, that's racist. But like, I actually chuckled at it and I felt bad about laughing at something that was so racist. But I think that he was trying to make sure it wasn't like two guys in an overcoat situation. Which like that. I'm fine if that's your joke, but like you got to give yeah. me some because they do it later yeah. to Belushi. And I was like, was this like a secret military handshake that people just knew about from the 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 world today film reels at the movie theater? I also wonder if there's something that we just has been lost at time that like you like there was some sort of lingering Japanese racism about the leg that we didn't know about that we don't know about. It's like a racist thing that's not prevalent enough anymore. Yeah. Which is good. I mean, a net good, but we're just <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so they take the plane. He's like, I'm going to go fly your plane or whatever. And he's like, there's no guns in there. And he's like, that is fine. Because in his head, he's like, there's no the Japanese are not here. Like, yeah, I'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, I did like this bit because he gets in there to the cockpit and he like flip, flips all the switches or whatever, and he realizes there's no radio, and so he like squiggles his way out the window just because it's a tiny little plane pilot window. Right. It's like six inches by six. And he's like, "There's no radio," and the guy's like, "What?" And he's like, "No radio." And he was like, "He goes, you can't use a radio. There isn't one." And he's like, "I know." <laughs> It's a, it's a pretty good bit of business. And so they take off and she immediately is like trying to do it with him. And he is immediately aware that he's in over his head, which I kind of liked. And is like, and she oh, is actively to trying to like, get the you know, off. get a little handsy. I, yeah. So uh, we go to the like war command center and there's a pretty good traffic light gag here where the, the, the man in charge, they're like kind of looking at a map. They get some, reports that maybe there's japanese and he's like we need to move to yellow and we have like a traffic light that just like shifts down which i thought was pretty solid yeah uh, and this is where we cut back to the the fight happening and they i'm like you're you can't don't try and tell me this you you're trying to say this is the zoot suit riots because this was yeah. that was it was yeah. not white people fighting white people in the zoot right, suit riots right. let's be very clear about that and then the riots are like just over yeah, I will as quickly as, as mysteriously out. as they started, they were done. <laughs> I do want to point out there's a really great gag where they're fighting and one guy's head gets put down on like a model train tracks. And I, I did it's like Wally's that. Best friend. And the train is coming right at his face and it's played as if like it's a real train. Really good, stupid comedy that I like very much. Yeah. Alternatively, and just like that, the Zoot Suit riots were over. I couldn't help but wonder. <laughs> And that is what you have just finished watching. 
I also really like, I think it might come later, but as Joe Flaherty is like walking through the remains of this club, he's like, maybe next time we'll have a race war. <laughs> I was like, all right, I get the like, you were talking about, you were talking about the suit suit, right? I think you kind of did, but okay. Yeah, right. And there's also, there's also a great like Rube Goldberg situation here where she's like, trying to get she's looking for wally and treat williams is like unconscious on the floor under this chandelier and there's like a bowl of punch that ends up in the chandelier yeah like a contrived way of like this thing it's that thing it hits this thing and that thing but then the bowl of punch is like slowly tipping like it's gonna wake up treat williams and we keep cutting to the band who's like wailing on their instruments and then looking like at watching it watching this happen yeah like more and more concerned i wanted more of that band that was that was good yeah and then she's stuck. She's got her foot like lodged in a chair, like in a way that you think like you just take a second and free yourself. Yeah, uh, it's like a folding, a, a wooden folding chair that's like folded and flat. She like put her foot in it weird. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> uh, there's like sort of a Dudley Do-Right business happening. This is sort of like a Dudley Do-Right vibe. Yeah. And then Wally, Wally ends up getting clobbered by the chandelier. No, he almost does. He like backs oh, out. I think I think he like backs okay. out. Unless we're supposed to believe that he hit, but it I, looks like he I, jumps I, back. Yeah, I I wasn't sure if that was like a keep this actor alive or what. Like, yeah. And then uh, we go outside. So Dan Aykroyd is basically giving the president speech from uh, Independence, Independence Day. Independence Day. Yeah, yeah. As the girl, uh, what's does she have? Eight is enough. Runs into the crowd. And then treat yeah, Williams. I feel I, I feel I feel bad that like we have we know the names of all these men and not this woman, but I, it is because we've seen them in other things and not because we're well, sexist assholes. I only know Treat Williams for, for, for fucking Christmas on the Square. So I, yeah. to be fair, I'll call him Christmas on the Square. He's also got a weird yeah. name, Treat. Yeah, yeah. So we've talked about Joe Flaherty a lot on this podcast. That's all I'm saying. I don't know the other guy's name. I keep calling him Wally, which is his character's name. I call him Zoot Suit. So yeah, Eight is Enough runs through the crowd, and then Christmas in the Square runs after her, and then Marty McFly's sister runs after him, because she still wants it. And then there's this great bit where, like, Christmas on the Square is on one side, and then he, like, turns, the crowd kind of parts, and he sees Eight is Enough, and she, like, freezes like a Scooby-Doo thing, and then a giant crowd goes by, and you can, like, if you really pay attention, you can see her, like, jump in and run with it. And he's yeah. like, <laughs> and like doing like a, a juke to look for her. And then the crowd passes and it's, uh, <laughs> and it's Marty McFly's sister, like, yay. And then another <laughs> crowd passes and then he's gone. And she's like, damn it. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. And really funny. Like, like I loved like that. Said, when this movie works, it's very funny. It's just like, it's just, you put like 45 minutes of really funny stuff into a 90 minute movie and you're like that's a pretty good movie you put 45 minutes of really funny stuff in a two-hour movie and you're like that movie's way too long <laughs> yes because at, it's at this point we're an hour and 15 in and it yeah. feels like we're in the home stretch because yes now everyone thinks that um matheson and nancy allen's plane is a japanese like yeah. bomber pilot or whatever and yeah. so they're shooting and them is Belushi is giving chase as well. So it's yeah. like they're being shot at from behind and below. Yeah. And then they're being like literally flying through the city. Like it's fucking King Kong or Godzilla, like through the yeah. streets of the city. And or I was like, Con Oh, Air, as you will. what? Or Con Air as it will. Yeah. And so I was like, if I was like, Oh, this feels like the, end. like we're going to get there and they're going to realize like, they're going to stumble out all disheveled and be like, yeah. Hey, mission accomplished, or like something stupid, and then we can roll credits. Right, and I was right. like, no, there's yeah. 45 fucking minutes left in this movie. And yeah, if Spielberg so had his way, there would be another uh, 20 hour and 15. Yeah, yeah. 
No. Yeah, at this point, it's like, okay, so Ned Beatty spots the Japanese sub off the house. And so, like, that's the two. We now are down to two beats. One is Ned Beatty and that. And then the other is, they're well, I guess they're all kind of connected now. But it's like Ned Beatty and the submarine, the plane fight, and then Tree Williams trying to have uh, a sexual assault on, on Eight is Enough alongside Wally and Marty McFly's sister all giving chase. And so they, uh, the men are like, uh, the the military men like Dan Aykroyd and them are like, oh, the lights are supposed to be off. I guess we should just shoot them all out. And I was like, yes. And this is where I was like, maybe this shouldn't, they should have taken these bones and just done a War of the Worlds movie. Yeah, yeah. Like just everyone reacting to the, to War of the Worlds. Because yeah. you can do all the same bits. Like you yes, can, you can. Uh, mo- like 100%. for the most part. And then, yeah, 100%. and then there's no like, this is about Pearl Harbor. And that makes it weird. Yeah, yeah. It can be like, oh, this the town reacting to to the 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 aliens are coming. I almost said zombies. Right. So they're like shooting out all the lights. Belushi is shooting at Alan and Matheson, and they shoot back at him, and yes. he's like offended. And I was like, yes, yes. I was like, so what? Weird. What are we doing? Yeah, it's like I wanted it to be like it, this. Joke plays like there's been a bit throughout the whole movie where he keeps his plane in perfect condition. Yes. And that was I not the say, case. The the one little dumb joke that uh, we didn't touch on when Belushi lands at the base right after Matheson does, this guy starts pouring coffee before he gets there, and Belushi like runs his cup under the pouring coffee as I he's did. going by. It's pretty solid. Uh, but yeah, so he they start they have like an actual gunfight, and then they end up uh, he ends up hitting Tim Matheson's plane and disabling it and they crash in and they open the cockpit and it's a dinosaur and I immediately recognized I was like oh it's the, the black goop I was like they're in the tar pits so I thought that was pretty funny the tar pits are one of those things that I always think about and I'm like why are why is it a big deal like I never <laughs> I'm always like I mean yeah it's a tar, like it it you know I'm sure it's, it's just like it's just very old but it's just so fascinating that, like, in 2022, they're still like, come see the La Brea Tar Pits. I think it has, like, legitimate scientific value in ways that you are. I am fully <laughs> unaware. amenable yes. to that discussion. But yeah. it's, yeah. I, I meant more a as a of... tourist attraction. It's crazy. Oh, I think it's just like any science museum. Yeah, but you can't, like, walk up to it. You can't, like, scoop the tar. Well, if you, if you, okay, well, no, you can't scoop the tar. But if you unlike our family actually pay the admission to go into the museum you could wait there was i did not know there was a museum <laughs> yes our family was like let's go up to the fence and look at the tar okay we've been to the tar pit and i we didn't pay did not know this 20 some dollars a person to learn anything so this is why you perhaps should invest in the education sometimes folks because you'll be like andrew be like why does everyone give a shit about this it's just i didn't say i didn't say like no one should care i thought it was funny that in 2022 the idea of like look at old tar is still a, an attraction <laughs> like that's funny to me it is very funny if you say it that way yes <laughs> yeah in the age of tiktok uh, old tar is still a thing <laughs> The latest TikTok trend. All the kids are in the tar. I wish. I would throw a lot of those TikTok teens in that tar. So the dummy, now we cut to the Ferris wheel. The dummy sees the submarine before the men do. Yes. And they're like, and this Belushi ends up there flying his plane. And so he's like, uh, he sees it as well. And then the mayor, Mayor Vaughn and Eddie Deason are shooting at the submarine, which is kind of a funny little bit of business. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, 
uh, Ned Beatty's little kid is supposed to like set them free, but instead he turns Not on every yet. Light. That does happen oh. in a little bit. Okay. Um, don't worry, because there's 40 minutes left in the movie right now, so oh, that's probably right, why right, things right. are I'm getting sorry. muddy. I because was, I was trying to skip a little bit because ahead. there shouldn't be 40 minutes left in this movie. Yeah. Um, something happens to Belushi's plane, and he's he gets like it gets like shot or something somehow. I think the yes. Japanese sub shoots him. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so he's already like away from the city, like over yes. a. Like yes. you would think the the plan is just land yes. here or maybe crash yep. your plane into the submarine if you're gonna like yes. be all jingoism America bullshit. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, he turns around and flies back to the city, the heavily populated yes. city that has people yes. in it that he was in. He saw the yes. people. Yes. Um, and as we go from that, we go to uh, treat Williams full on assaulting. Yes. Diane K. That's her name. I just all remembered right. it. All right. Um, I remember it because it looked like Danny Kay. Yeah, okay. It makes sense. Um, just like full on assaulting her. And so um, Wally shows up and he's got a, a fucking like, what are the pointy bullets? Are those rifle bullets? Rifle bullets. I mean, they're they're for the uh, the the 50 caliber gun on the tank. Okay. So he's, he's got like a bandolier of the pointy bullets like hidden behind his back. And he's like, I can't beat you in a fair fight. And Treat's like, I don't fight fair. And he was like, no, I'm saying I don't fight fair. And he fucking swats him in the face with the fucking bandolier and like yeah. scratches up his face. And it's so great. Yeah, it's excellent. It's nice to see him finally like get one over here. But then this chase continues. Like it's still part of the movie. And it's just like, okay, get, I get it. Let it go. It's awful. Because like so- at this point... Like Belushi is crashed and then like they're talking about the Japanese sub and nobody will believe Belushi because he seems like an insane person. Which so like, Belushi, duh. Yeah. But so then Belushi steals the motorcycle we talked about earlier. And then Wally and Danny. What's her name? Danny K. Oh, it is Danny K. No, I'm sorry. It's Diane K. Diane K. Diane K. Okay, I was like, oh, that doesn't seem right. So Diane K. And, Wally <laughs> and Danny like, K. Very yeah, different movie. They tap dance their way back to the house. Uh, so they, they're going and then it's like. Treat Williams is trying to like follow them, and so Marty McFly's sister sticks her leg out, and Belushi. Stopped. I did love that because he's trying to like hitch a ride, and she's like, yeah. "Watch and learn, buddy," and she like pulls up her skirt. It's very uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, like that, yeah, yeah, which I think is just my sensibilities now. Yeah, so they're in the sidecar with Belushi, and they're like rolling down the road, chasing, trying to get to where the Japanese sub is, but it's like. Belushi, you're already there. Like, you know where this is vaguely. And also you left it. I'm so confusing. Yeah. But I do. I do, however, like the bit where Belushi, like, gets directions from them and is like, okay, bye. Pulls the. No, he realizes they don't know where they're going. Oh, I thought he said it's straight. No, I thought the confusion was like using like the word right when you mean correct. No, because Treat Williams is lying. He has no he doesn't know exactly where it is. He's like, it's the ocean. It's there. Got it. Uh, speaking of directions, I loved the bit because I was like, oh, apparently this was a thing 40 years ago as they're like, they're like, oh, we have to go to the amusement park or whatever. All the military men yeah. in the city and Wally and Diane K are like hop on. He's like, I know the way. And then Wally's friend who like pops in and out of the movie yeah. is on the front of the tank, like sitting on the front of the tank with a little like window open. And he's like, you're going to take the 405 down to the, yes. down to the Burbank yeah. free or whatever the street names yeah, yeah, in yeah. Calvary are. And I was like, apparently that's been a joke for 40 yeah. years. 
Yeah, yeah, that was good. I do like the paint crashing through the, uh, sorry, the tank crashing through the paint factory for absolutely no reason. Kind of fun. Beautiful destruction. I, it's a, yeah, a weird yeah. choice, but I'm into it. Yeah, and similarly, the bit here with like Ned Beatty lining up to shoot the tank, for, or sorry, the, the submarine from his front lawn, and he like is so stupid he has the gun point through his own house. It's kind of funny. Well, it's one of those things that like, I feel like I've seen that this style of like, manned yeah. gun big manned gun before yeah and why are the crosshairs so far is it is it like to account for is it supposed to be a distance thing like it's to account for I, that i would guess there's probably some reason like what you're saying i don't know the answer it's um, probably something like that because the barrel of the gun is like three feet to the left of the crosshairs my guess is also this is t- normally operated by more than one person. So perhaps one person's job is to sight it and another person's job is to fire. That could be. So that's why it would be off to the side, despite being like true to, to not, you know, whatever. Lorraine Gary almost gets shot by the, the bullet. of. The- She's like scooping up all the valuables that are going to be in yeah. the direct path. Yeah. So he puts a big hole through the house and gets knocked, you know, 200 yards backwards. Pretty good stuff. The kickback was fun because I, I didn't think yeah. about that. And I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then the Japanese get tired of Christopher Lee and throw him off the submarine. Yeah. Which, which is would have been more impactful had I known what they were talking about and known that yes. they were getting tired of him. Because I'm yeah. sure that was planted along the way and not yes, just... Uh, yes. yes. Uh, so they shoot the Wonder Wharf. They knock down the Ferris wheel. And then the tank the Wonder is Wharf. on... Yeah, that's what I kept writing down. Oh, uh, we forgot to mention that they uh, call back to the hilarious egg bit for Treat Williams that he and yes, yes. Marty McFly's well, sister a- go careening into a, a crate of eggs. And I was they like, give them the, uh, the Biff in Back to the Future, except it's eggs. Which, honestly, way better. Yeah. <laughs> way better. Yeah, of course. So this is what so you were talking about earlier, where um, Ned Beatty's kid has to go free the guys in the, on the Ferris wheel. Yeah, and so he has turned on all the lights. A comical switch that it. says, do not flip. And he's like, yes. clunk. Yeah, so all the Ferris wheel lights are on, all the music's playing, all of the like you know other attractions are left. So that's why the, the Japanese sub starts just shooting at everything. That's The so the uh, Ferris wheel goes in the water, and then the tank drives out onto the pier, which is incredibly stupid to me. And Very they dumb. Start, a they a start lot of great miniature like, explosions, too, like, it looks like like yes. it would be like a uh, funnel cake stand or like yes, the shooting gallery yes. stand. Like they all explode, and they're. I love when you can tell miniature scale immediately because you're like, that's that wood is that's small wood. Yeah, Those yeah, it's that's, weird that's splinters. That's a popsicle stick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, same with the the pier crumbling as the tank gets shot off. And whatever. Yeah. So they end up in the water, and then Belushi has gone into the water previously, and he like pops up next to the sub and climbs aboard. It's very insane. Yeah, it's. I was like, you're losing me, movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you lost me already, but... Yeah, yeah. Um, so he he gets inside the sub and is like, all right, take me to Japan. Well, it's... it's. I did like... I, I assume this was not on purpose. He shouts, Geronimo, as he like yeah. slowly steps down. Like, that's what you shout when you jump into something. And he like slowly yes. step like steps down the little submarine ladder. Yeah, yeah. So the sun is coming up and Which everyone I, is... When he was like, take me to Tokyo, I was like, has he been a sleeper agent this whole time? Is that... Yeah, yeah. That would have been interesting. I don't think that's what it was, but it would have been interesting. I did not get it. So everyone's asleep on Ned Beatty's front lawn and... Uh, the little shit the, kids are robbing people. Yes, they're stealing people's wallets and taking their shoes off, which is very strange. Uh, 
Robert Stack rolls up and Aykroyd, you know, pops to attention and starts talking to him. Uh, you know, oh, you know, here's what happened. Here's what's going on. And Ned Beatty, like, sees an opportunity to be helpful, grabs the Christmas wreath and starts, like, like gives a monologue. Yeah, yeah. But it leads to the best gag of the whole movie. He puts the the wreath on the front door and he picks up a hammer to hammer. And you think it's going to you think he's going to hit it and the door is going to fall in. Exactly. Like you were like, oh, okay, this is going to be funny. But no, the door stays still and the entire house slides off the back down the cliff and onto the ground. And like we alluded to earlier, it looks full scale. It's incredibly large and amazing. It's wild destruction that you just don't get to see very often. I've never seen anything like this before. I have not, no. Because it's not an explosion. It's like a cat. It's like it's. it's it looks like the, a house of the the physics of a house of cards that it like yeah all yeah. tilts and then just. It, it looks like you pushed a Lego house off a kitchen table. It's just like yes. how it crashes to the floor and explodes. But it's a whole house. You see the wood shatter and splinter. It's really incredible. Like the kind of thing you'd dream about getting to film if you were a director. So I see why he put this in the movie. Yeah. Is like oh uh, yeah. Also the movie ends with a house just falling off a table basically. And then Dan Aykroyd, who, in a line that I think was supposed to tease a sequel, thank God it didn't. He was like, yeah. I don't think 1941 is going to be the craziest year of the war. I think it's going to be next year, 1942. And I was like, yeah. no. <laughs> yeah. Well, it didn't happen, so you don't have to worry. Uh, and then uh, we get the credits. Yeah. And I don't like this because they give you a batch. And in the first batch is Matheson. Yeah. And then it says also starring... And then Nancy Allen is in that one. And I was like, they had the same amount of screen time and dialogue. I got to tell you, I hit the eject button when we had the house fall off the cliff. I hit the the skip forward because I was like, is there something in here? And then there's a turn and not quite turn and smile. And then that one was weird. And then the other one is that Patty Lupone gets billing above Wendy Joe, Marty McFly's sister. Wow, weird. And I was like, Patty didn't say a word. And that's Wendy Joe like did stuff. Yeah, that's bizarre. That's really weird. Yeah. So those are my two my two qualms with the credits. Okay. Uh other final thoughts? It's too long. Slash would you recommend? Yeah. No. It's too long. Yeah. I think there's it's a bummer because I think there's a bunch of this. that's really funny and really works and still is very funny. But it's like I said, it's 45 minutes of funny in two hours instead of 90 minutes. It's like the 90 minute version of this, I think, is probably a solid recommend. But as it is, no. But yeah. if you're a big Spielberg head, you'd probably find some things to enjoy here. Yeah. Like I found stuff to enjoy. But yeah, I, I was uh, I was disappointed. I didn't like this more, but I didn't hate it. Yeah, I, I, I don't hate it, but it is too long and not funny enough yeah yeah it's yeah the highs are very high but the low the lulls are forever so but thank you so much for uh suggesting this one michelle and thank you for all of your support over the years it means a lot and we really appreciate it uh we've got another episode for you in two weeks we did a live drawing of all of these at the facebook page facebook.com slash dissecting the 80s so you can see everything coming up soon uh go check that out there hit us up on patreon patreon.com slash dissecting the 80s we're gonna have a bonus episode on stripes next month there so another uh great piece of bonus content for you coming coming that way uh, and you can always tweet at us. It's at Dissect the 80s. And if you haven't done it yet, please review the show. Go ahead and do that. We read those on the air, and it's been a while since we've had one. So help us out and help spread the word. Tell your friends about the show and uh, that we're good if you like us, I guess. If you don't, don't tell anyone. Keep it to yourself. Thank you very much. Um, 
So yes, we'll be back in two weeks to do Pump Up the Volume with Christian Slater. But thank you so much for listening. I have been Trip Leno. I will always be Andrew Leno. Until next time. Don't you forget about me. Dissecting the 80s is a Chum Some of This production. Ow.